Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all your questions in the week in European football. I'm Dotton Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. Now, we're recording this on Thursday, so we don't know the Champions League draw Andy will be talking about that on this Saturday's Ramble Reacts over on the Football Ramble. But straight in with this first question from John. Which players drastically need a move before the window shuts in, well, a few hours' time? <laughs> well, I mean, I, this is actually... I was talking to someone about this the other day. There's a major issue in European football at the moment, which is, and I suppose typically at the top end, which is super bloated squads, and particularly in the Premier League. So. In terms of, though, I mean, we would have said Lukaku. In fact, he was probably the, the player m- most yes. in need of a move. You would almost say a core of PSG stars as well. I think they could they could do it now, I suppose. You could say that almost any summer. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I, I suppose John's question is interesting because what do they need out of a move? I yes. guess is the next logical well, question to that. Because do do they need the next sporting challenge? Or do they need... A situation yeah. in in which they play, but it's not necessarily the best. But basically, what I'm saying is, if that next move is going to be the Saudi Pro League, 
is well, exa- exactly, necessarily exactly. worth it beyond a financial perspective, yeah. Cer- certainly at the moment. Now, that's not saying they, they couldn't build a culture, they couldn't build an incredible league. Saudi Arabia's already got great footballing culture. You know, once you remove the human rights aspect for it from it, and we're talking about just the sporting level of it, um, you know, there's nothing to say that it, it couldn't go on to, to, to become a great league. Um, we'll, we'll find out in time. But when you talk about, like, you know, players who are stuck at a club and not playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look at what's happened at Chelsea. You know, that is the obvious get out for a, a lot of top end players at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I suppose, and there's two ways of looking at it as well. I mean, there wasn't before. Yeah. There's, I suppose, ultimately what any move comes down to in terms of who needs a move is how does it enhance your career? Be that you finally get football, haven't been on the bench for a while, yeah. or go to the next step. And I was actually about to say there, so like, some, so. I think actually the big surprise maybe, although it's been a little bit forgotten almost, is that Osman hasn't gone anywhere. Given mm. that this was, I mean, for two reasons actually. First of all, for his own career, and given that he was the most, um, you know, pursued striker in Europe for a while before essentially Napoli priced him out of the market. But then equally, I remember being told that the, towards the end of last season, that because of how Napoli are trying to run, they have actually accepted that it's probably better in the long run to sell one major star every year and then replenish. Not, not all, so not, not mm. allow them all to go, but if you sell one major star, you can replenish. So it's maybe, from that perspective, it's slightly surprising they went so high with Osman's price. And again, there's a bigger context here when this comes back to, again, something we've discussed a lot. I mean, we even talk about, and, and this is, and so any time we kind of write about transfers, write about kind of Liverpool wanting the player or whoever, it's always like, oh, you're trying to sell all our players for the big six or, or any of that. But this is more, I suppose, it's just the current reality of football where because there's such a concentration of resources to basically to, to play a Champions League level, there's only a few clubs now where that is guaranteed, or sorry, to win a Champions League level. But the high price for Aussie men is set in the context of they mm. can't stop Kim Min-Jai going. Mm. That, that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose it? that, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I think to kick the can down the road for a year makes makes. Do, do you sense. mind explaining what that connection is? Then? Uh, he's, Kim Min-Jai had a release clause so they couldn't stop him leaving for 50 million euros. He, he left for Bayern. And so, that, that's, their, and that, that's their big sale of the year. And that meant that Aussie men had to stay. Yeah. Yes, or, or that they, they, they could keep him. And mm. it was desirable to, to, to keep him. And from a sporting perspective, I think keeping him for an extra year is desirable all round. I mean, he's always had Premier League written all over him. But the question was always before last season, is his style of just, you know, playing every ball like it's last. Um, something that's actually detrimental to him in the long run. A bit a bit like Fernando Torres. Mm. You know, can he survive a full season playing like that in, in one of the one of the best leagues? And he did, you know, he had that little hamstring pull against Liverpool, but he was over that in a month. And, you know, the rest of the time he, he played through a few injuries and he proved his durability more than ever. Everyone knew the ability was there, but the durability was what people weren't maybe sure about in a team that was challenging for a title and challenging for the Champions League. I think now he can confirm that in this season. You know, Napoli will be competitive again. I don't have any doubt about that. And he'll be their main man. Yeah, he will be. In terms of other players like needing a move before the window shuts, I suppose Donny van der Beek's the one. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's had a few moves. I mean, he's been at United three years now. Nothing's happening. Um, it, we, we know he's a quality player and he can 
Does he even get on the bench? Not sure. Most of the time, no. And it's a a sad drift of a career that is, isn't it? It is. And when you think how important he was to that Ajax side, who weren't a million miles away from winning the Champions League at, at all, if you go back to 2019, that the fact that he learned in the year after that how to play in a deeper midfield position as well, he really should have developed into the complete midfielder while he was there. But you think you've had moves to Real Sociedad fall through. The move to Lorient is is potential move to Lorient is going to fall through because um, they're getting Timuray Bakayoko talking to players who are drifting and mm. really need a kickstart again. It's it's a shame. There's quite a few players out there, and I'm minded when we try and answer a question like this that look, this whatever you guys say, and I, I do feel for you. Whatever you guys say may be out of date by the time that the transfer windows shut. So if you're listening to this, ask OTC after the closure of the. Transfer a window. Although whichever stage you're listening to it at, Donny van der Beek will def- desperately need a move from Manchester United. This, this is again, again we go to bigger topics that we reflect in the pod. This a lot of this is a product of again this hoarding or this concentration of resources that I think you you see more of this players that suddenly become fringes at at bigger clubs. Do you think it's easier to give up on a player? Yeah, probably, yeah. But also, I mean, this is something, and again, this is probably a cause for a pod in itself. Although it would obviously go against EU law, which is a pity, uh, because I think it's one of those situations where an exemption could be made because how sport is different to business. But there's never been a greater argument for the old foreigner rule to be in. It would actually immediately solve so many problems in football as a stroke. It would basically foster... Uh, kind of a, a spread of talent. I think a lot of players are fresh career now. It might prevent them kind of moving uh, to a bigger club earlier, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing with the way football is going. And we might see a bit less of this. It, uh, the, the problem is, if you have a limit on the amount of foreigners, it artificially pushes up the prices for homegrown players. And we've seen it before in Turkey mm. and, and, and Russia. <laughs> and it, in the Premier it, League, it, there it, is we, a premium we, we, for we, homegrown players yeah, in the Premier League as well. Yeah, and we, we were talking on, on, on the main show this week about you know unexpected side effects of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's negatively affected national teams in, in those countries. I, I think we can definitely say but, that. But, but I that, just wonder... But, it, but if that was Europe-wide, that's not such an issue. And mm. I think, and then, of course, what you, you have the, the other effect, which is that... So a lot of these great footballing cultures, particularly in Eastern Europe, keep more of their players for longer. I, I wonder if if you had, and obviously this works better when you have a salary cap, which you do have in, in, in certain contexts in, in, in football now, of course. I wonder if in terms of encouraging teams and making it easier for teams and more desirable for teams to hold on to homegrown players, I wonder if you could have within that Sort of almost an equivalent of the supermax contract that mm. you that you have in in NBA, for example, where you can go above the cap to keep a player that and you spend spend mm. a larger percentage of your um, of your salary cap on a player that's that's come through on like a designated rookie in in their case when when he's when he's getting his second contract. Yeah, great question, John. Thanks very much. And there's more where that came from. This is from Bowman, who asked, and this is a pertinent question, I would have thought, as we're recording, will Beto help Everton or not? This is Beto, who was signed from Udinese. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> That's in the context as well. 
anything helps Everton at this point. I think that's <laughs> it, isn't it? Now, you've got yourself to blame when you get those hate mails. From well, I mean, look, look where you are at the table. But you're I mean, laughing. There, there, there is, there is, laughing. Gen- there is genuinely no argument about no, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, fa- the fans are up in arms. Well, the good news is Beto did actually show up for his debut match and even scored. Yeah, and uh, having gone to see Wimbledon at Chelsea this week, I think when you have top-level players who don't think this sort of game is, is is beneath them, that's that's always good. And you know, you you, oh, you wish they had thought that that Chelsea had thought that. I thought it was Wimbledon. beneath them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I think if you you look at players, I looked at actually Axel Dizassi's performance in in that game. You know, just come over from. Uh, Monaco, there's always this sense that, oh, well, you know, do overseas players understand the importance of cup competitions here? It's, it's, it's a cliche that, 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 that never goes it's away in English football. Though, but it? actually, I, I remember uh, Dizassi making a, a, a block tackle, quite late last-ditch block tackle on a, on a Wimbledon player as he went through uh, Ali Alhamidi, um, like, probably about 20 minutes from the end. And uh, he turned around and gave a like clenched fist to one of his mates. And I thought, that's great. You cost a fortune and this still really... matters to you and I think the way that better attack this game I I don't want to go about giving Everton hope for the future I mean they they beat the team that's bottom of the football league for goodness sakes but I I think the fact that he was prepared to engage and impose himself it was promising and what we saw of him there is the fact that he's someone who's a great target man he's a great presence which they need because of the, the continuing difficulties, unfortunately, they're having with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think you can look at the, the, the goals record at Udinese and think, oh, well, ideally we would have had a few more. Everton aren't in that position. Everton aren't in that position to be fussy. You know, they're getting a, a, a good player who's a, a real reference point number nine, who is on the fringes of the, the, the Portuguese squad and who can not just score some goals, but bring others into play. Just that presence is so important for them, I think. It's remarkable, though, if you think about it, like you go back like six or seven years and Portugal don't produce centre-forwards at all. You know, they went into Euro 2016 with two wingers as their front two because, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was still kind of a wide player rather than a dedicated centre-forward at, at, at that point. But now you've got Portuguese centre-forwards uh, left and right. And he's he's one of the good ones. One in three, though. One in three is his average. 65 appearances for Udinese, 22 goals. Because That's an interesting one, because this is an ongoing discussion at European football at a developmental level, how you generate forwards again. Because it's basically because of the kind of uh, proliferation of the homogenous academies, kind of from that Spanish model um, and German model, it had kind of been a skill that had been lost. Uh, did Portugal actually do that in particular, or is it kind of just a bit of a freak... Well, I, I think it's it is it's something that's that that they've identified a need for because they were creating so many wingers, especially out yeah. of that that um, sporting academy, that that they worked hard on repurposing them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because there just weren't any strikers being produced. But now you look back, and you know, obviously yeah. he's had variable results at elite level. But you know, you look at Andre Silva. Is 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 another one? You know, you know that is is something that's that's grown and grown and grown. I think we'll we'll, we'll continue to do so. Small details are big surfaces. 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, this from Paul. This is another decent one. Ryan Gravenberg. Uh, potentially on the move, and Bayern needing more in midfield. Why hasn't he worked out? <sighs> it's, it's, it's funny. He's almost, even after only one season, he's almost fallen into the Van der Beek category. I think there were two angles to this. Firstly, because of his contract situation and because they could get him at a palatable price, Bayern bought him a year earlier than they ideally wanted him. So for that reason they've not really found a place for him in the team. There's enormous competition in the middle of the field. Um, he is a player who is, is generally an attacking midfield player. I think a bit like Van der Beek, he has got the ability, if well coached, to like work in the defensive so, part, of, know, a part of the game uh, as well. I heard something very interesting about that last summer when um, Ten Hag was badly wanted De Jong for United. Mm. Uh, and he he saw De Jong as unique. Basically, it was it was why they kind of went so strong. Yeah, and I think it affected Ten Hag's plans that they didn't get him. But the only player he saw as a potential alternative was Gravenberch. Yeah, uh, and not 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 because of the same player, but I think he saw qualities in his games that could be honed that he that could be, translate into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally agree with that. And yeah. you know the the idea that he should be the full manifestation of what he is at this mm-hmm. age. It's ridiculous, mm. really, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm. And uh, it's, it's often the way we, we look at players ne- nowadays because, you know, talents are identified so early and maybe players peak a little bit earlier. But I don't, I don't think Bayern have, have, have used him particularly well. Obviously, on, on his side, he's found it frustrating as well, which is, is, has, been, has been difficult. But I, I feel he could have been better coached better look after he's he's fallen through the gaps it's clear that Nagelsmann never desperately wanted him in in the first place and he's not particularly fit with with Tuchel as as, as well but when you look at the sort of clubs that are interested in him clearly his stock is high and people still really believe in his potential but the, the, the whole problem is and this is a problem that was a difficulty for for Bayern under Nagelsmann and it is 
become an even bigger problem for Bayern under Thomas Tuchel. They feel that the missing piece is a defensive midfielder. And you've got mm -hmm. players in, in, in the squad, like you've got Joshua Kimmich, you've got Gravenberg, who are putting their hands up and going, it could be me. And you've got Tuchel going, well, no, it couldn't. You know, you've got, you've got Conrad Leimer, who they've just brought over from Leipzig, saying, well, maybe me. And he's like, no, no, no. We, we, need, we need someone world-class to do this. <laughs> and, and they had this extensive chat, and, and what were described as very productive chats, between Tuchel and Declan Rice. But that didn't come off. So there, they're in this situation, Bayern, and maybe something has changed, listeners, by the time you're listening to this, that they are scrabbling around and being offered players left yeah. and right who would be very much a stopgap in that position. Yeah, yeah. It felt like you were in the room there, a fly on the wall, when, when Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel was saying, no, no, you're not. He leaves it all out there in the press conference. He I does, mean, it's not does, a massive does, leap does, of imagination, is and, it? And by the way, I say Gravenberg and Miguel says Gravenberg. Oh, Shall we yeah. call the whole thing off? <laughs> is, is this a bit like Bowie Bowie? <laughs> it, is it, Bowie. Is. it is Bowie. It is Bowie. Trust me, it's Bowie. It's not a Jim Bowie. <laughs> I, w yeah. I would have said Bowie, to be yeah. fair. Well, it is yeah. Bowie, apparently. Yeah. I've been told that uh, from somebody you ought to know. Uh, this question from... <laughs> we'll be here all night. Uh, this question from Alex. What do you think is behind the sheer volume of midfield transfers this summer with financial resources depleted by COVID? Did clubs focus, Miguel? They're spending on areas... With obvious impact. I actually wrote an article about this a few uh, weeks ago. So there's been three main factors this summer, or three main driving forces. The first has been the Saudi Pro League, obviously. The second has been this pursuit of a number nine by major clubs. The third has been so many clubs going for certain types of midfielders, mostly number sixes, but some of that evolving into number eights. Um, and it's there's actually a little bit of an irony about that because given that you would have thought exactly what we're talking about in terms of what academies have produced over the past decade. Mm. But the the talk you hear actually is that there's been a real shortage of top class number six, a very difficult position to fill. And that's created a flurry across Europe. Um but uh, so that, I think that, that that that's the main reason. It's it's a position a lot of managers want and there's not enough players to uh, meet that demand. Well I think that there has to be, as we were talking about before, an understanding of transferable skills I mean if you think that Liverpool for example have just picked up uh, Wataru Endo from, from Stuttgart goodbye a player who <laughs> looks good if you go back a couple of years was a, a central defender yeah, and has, yeah. has, has been converted into that place um, elsewhere going from Europe to the Premier League it seems curious to me that there's this school of thought at the moment and you know they've properly Europeanified their their midfield, I suppose, Newcastle. The fact that with Sandro Tonali coming in, there's this Another school there's this school oh of thought God. that yeah, yeah, excellent for Milan and huge in their title winning season. There's this school of thought that Bruno Guimaraes should maybe be a number eight. He really shouldn't. He should be a defensive midfielder. That that's what he should be, and Tonali should be a little bit in front of him because he's developed that side of him that he can he can burst into the box and he's got a little bit more technical quality than than, than Bruno Guimaraes as, as as well but i think if if you look about the volume of of midfield transfers at the 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 top end of 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 european football i, I don't think you can get away from the fact that that liverpool have had a massive influence on it because 
they were planning on a midfield overhaul yeah. this summer. But then, as Miguel was saying before, when you when you get the Saudis coming in and going for Henderson Fabinho, it turns from a turnover to into an, an absolute gutting, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, year zero scorched earth, yeah, yeah. rip it up and, 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 and in a way and they start again. for. Yes, and that affects, you know, it doesn't exist in a bubble. Yeah. Because um, you get Endo taken away from Stuttgart, who is their most important player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I said on the first day of the season when you had uh, Stuttgart playing Bochum, it was, it was quite interesting because uh, Thomas Lech, the, um, the the head coach of Bochum, he was asked on the day before they played Stuttgart on the opening day, how do you think, do you think um, it'll be easier to play Stuttgart because they've lost Wataro And he sat there and said, he's such an important player f- for them that all my planning has, has gone out the window. <laughs> I had this idea of, of how we're going to play them and now I have no idea of, of how they're going to play. And his, it should be. his team went and lost 5-0 the well, next day. So it should be. Uh, and, trust uh, me. I, I think you look at that, you look at the fact that Chelsea, uh, Liverpool were kind of hurried, wisely in my opinion, to make the move to for Dominic Soboslai as well. Again, that is something that's had a massive effect on Leipzig and their need to to, to rebuild. And of, of course, they lost Soboslai, they lost Lima this this season as well. You look at Bellingham moving too, which was always going to happen. So you're getting a lot of clubs that are having to re-up and re-up quite hurriedly and maybe slightly more comprehensively than they I'd imagine. And we never, or we rarely, I should say, we often do, but not as much as I would like, talk about the Turkish league. So this question from Fools Russian, um, what's going on with the Turkish big three, Andy? They seem to have been spending money on fees and wages this summer. I didn't think they had that kind of money. It's like an arms race, so to speak. Couldn't have put that all better myself, I, I, I think. It's remarkable the the amount that's that's going out at, at the moment and now the thing is sometimes and what well, often in transfer negotiations and transfer deals all of us and even someone as well connected as miguel we're going on what various sources are telling us about wages and there will be a slight disagreement on figures from the buying side the selling side that's not something that we're hostage to in Turkey because everything over a very small level has to go through the stock exchange. In Turkey and Portugal, they have to announce the exact figures so you know what's being spent to the euro. Now, of course, that means that you can read through stock exchange announcement for a, a, a player that's signing for Galatasaray or Fenerbahce or Bejiktas. And you can sit there and think, wow, they're getting that much in wages over the next three years. Uh, th- there are some big figures out there. And when you think of the difficulties that the Turkish economy has had in recent years for a, a number of different reasons, and the fact that players are being, due to the traditionally low income tax rate there, um, net figures as well, and they're being pl- paid in euros to protect them from fluctuations in the Turkish lira. That makes these deals even more expensive. Now, on one hand, I've had some of these Galatasaray deals, and my God, they have spent a lot of money 
this this summer. They did it last summer as well. They built built a very attractive team and it it, it got them into um it got them back to winning winning the Turkish Super League title and um eventually they've got themselves into winning the Champions League as well. But they've doubled down on that this summer. Um they've bought Icardi permanently. Uh they've brought in uh, Kerem Demabai. Tete, even though he's on a, a, a free on a on, on a big deal, uh, Wilf Zaha, same thing. You know, th- there's a lot of money being spent now. The way they're looking at it is because they're in the Champions League and Turkish clubs have, have, have missed it quite a lot in recent times. They will be getting in a load of money that their competitors won't be. Of course, Fenerbahce are, are going, you know, at the, at the time of recording into the Conference League. And there's no comparison in terms of money. And they've been out there paying a fortune to sign Edin Dzeko, to sign Dusan Tadic, to sign Fredj. Not cheap players on absolutely massive wages, which is is is, is going to be big for them. But I, I think as well, the other thing that Galatasaray are hoping, they're looking at players that they already have, like Victor Nelson, like Sasha Bowie, who I've already said on here before, I think he'll be... France right back in like a year, year and a half if, if things go well. He's, he's got enormous quality. Thing is, they could have sold him this summer for maybe 15 million. If he goes and plays well in the Champions League, it's the Mudrick equation. They can sell him for maybe two or three times that. It's just off the back of what Andy's been saying, there's been a lot of interest in Premier League players in Turkey uh, this season. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, who arguably didn't mm-hmm. play his best uh, football towards the end of his time at the Premier League has gone there. They're interested in, we mentioned Wilfred Zaha, uh, Hakim Ziyech as well is out there. But, but what's going on? Well, I think that's a very interesting angle to this actually because I think there's been so much focus on the Saudi Pro League as the next step for so many careers and, and uh, that was what it was at the start of the summer where they're kind of targeting players in their early to mid 30s. Uh, of course, it's become something more. So probably Turkey's been overlooked a little bit in this and, and Turkey to be fair um, has a lot of advantages that the, the Saudi Pro League doesn't. They can offer money to a lot of players in the situation. And obviously, they're a UEFA league, so they're in the Champions League with a good pedigree in the Champions League. Um, and I, so that's what clearly, they offer, is it? What, what, well, well uh, as well as that, I mean, because of the size of these clubs as well, okay, it's not Saudi Pro League money, but they can offer some big contracts, as you've seen. So I think there's a, there's a few elements of, uh, of fascinating. Look, I don't want to call it. Um, a Premier League retirement home in that sense but almost it's become a league I think that's recognised among uh, among senior European players as somewhere where you can maybe enjoy a bit of a rebirth or um, resuscitate your career a bit Is that why Wilfred Zaha has gone there? Because he's taken a cup well, uh, well, he's taken a cup from what he was earning at Crystal Palace today. From everything you hear with Zaha it's about playing in the Champions League um, I mean probably should have done it earlier maybe but, but that's, that's a, a huge attraction and I suppose that points to yeah exactly what you're talking about Thank you for listening to Ask OTC if you would like to ask a question on next week's show you can contact us at any time at Dotton Adibayo at Andy Brassel at Miguel Delaney and at OTC Pod or you can email us OTC at footballramble.com Gentlemen thank you On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.